Right, I just gotta bend over. <laughs> this is cool. It's way better than back at the star in the little room talking to a camera. No faces. Folks, can you reflect on your dad and just who he was and all the well wishes so many people across the league had for your family, what they had to say about Yeah, um, you didn't get me emotional right off the bat, huh? <laughs> Might as well get it out of the way. Um, excuse me if I, if I break up, need a few minutes, but um, what he meant to me was everything. And growing up, you know, I grew up around football my whole life because when I was born, he was actually a player coach for the Hawaii Hawaiians. So um, I spent my whole life in the locker room, on the practice field. I didn't ever go to coaches' meetings because those were boring. I wanted to be around the players. Um, and then just to, I, I knew the impact he had on people, his fellow coaches, his, the players he coached. Um, but you really you got a sense of it when, when he passed, how many people reached out and said how much he meant to them. Um, and then, of course, that's what everybody talks about. But, you know, what he was as a dad was something that, you know, I strive to be as a, as a current coach because it's a lot on your plate. You know, you spend a lot of hours coaching and um, the family time is critical. And that's really all you got time for. There's not time really to do anything else. And that's okay. Um, you know, he, he tragically passed, and it was, you know, the hardest thing I've probably had to go through. Um, and still I'm dealing with it, you know. But, um, and who's going to be here, too, who's going to come to camp. But every game day, I call him about four hours before the game. I just say, it's game day, Pops. You know, we're going to get him. And he'd respond, you know, just relax and have fun. And so um, I'll miss that, but... I'll carry it on and pay it forward, and um, I'll miss him for sure. Around the time that he passed, you were leading a camp of kids, about 100 of them, who have a parent who's incarcerated. Yeah. Talk about passing it on. Do you need that, or just how you coach? What elements of your dad do you, are you passing on? Yeah. Um, I think that yeah, the day before he passed, we had a we had a camp at the Star for over a hundred um, kids whose parents were incarcerated. It's the Angel Tree um, camp that's under the Prison Fellowship umbrella that I got I got involved with when I was in L.A. in 2018. Um, and we bring the kids in, and we we gave them shoes, and we gave them an opportunity to come to our facility and. We had about 10 of our players show up and help coach, along with a lot of other locals and, and former NFL players. Um, and I think those things, you know, back to my dad, I think those things make my dad as proud as anything. You know, he, he, doesn't, he doesn't concern himself. He never did concern himself with you know, how I did or how our teams really did, but um, the impact we had on other people. And I think that's something that I'll always carry with me is, paying forward the opportunities I had as a kid around football um, and trying to give that back to some of the kids who maybe didn't have some of the opportunities that I did. Uh, and ironically, that was, that was the day before. There's no good transition from that to football, but ball security is one of the things that you oversaw last year. Is that something you'll be ever seeing this year too? And Zeke talked a lot about it yesterday. If so, how do you want to hone in on it during yeah, I think 
we, we, we made a pretty good emphasis of it last year, and I think you saw the, the fruits of the labor later in the season. And so our goal is to pick up where we ended last season, where I believe, and I think Coach McCarthy would attest, that we got better holding on to the football. We got better taking the football away. And we're going to spend a lot of time of it. We spend nine minutes at the start of every practice on ball security, emphasis, catching the football, taking the football away. Um, and so Coach McCarthy put me in charge of, you know, installing those things in the, in the team meetings and then organizing it and running the drills at practice. And I think it's excellent because I've never been a part of a team that spent that much time in meetings and on the practice field just working on fundamentals. And we'll do it all season long. Um, and I think it's going to win us football games. Why the change in long snapper? Um, I think because there was multiple guys that were undrafted or, or unrestricted free agents, including LP. And obviously the relationship I had with Jake McQuaid for nine, eight years and with the Rams played a big part of it. Um, Jake is somebody that I think is one of the best. I've thrown everything at him in practice and he's handled it. I think he's a great pro in the locker room. I have a huge amount of respect for LP, um, and he probably has more ball left in him. I think Jake's got a lot of ball left in him, and so I think he's somebody that hopefully we can keep around here for a lot of years and keep playing at a high level. And clearly the, the relationship I had with him and the confidence I had in him working with him for so long had a huge part of it. Concerned are you about Zerline? Zerline's coming off minor back surgery. How concerned are you that you – you're going to get him at some point this summer. Yeah, I'm not concerned. We've been through it before with him, you know, with a, with a low back, and then years before that, a groin, and he's a true pro. You know, um, Britt and our training staff has done amazing working all summer with him. So hopefully he'll be ready in a couple of weeks. Hopefully he'll get a preseason game in, and then no doubt with his experience, he'll be ready for, for week one. What makes a good long snapper other than just getting the ball back to it, you know, quickly and all that? Is there is there more to it than that? Running down, making you know tackles, or you know, understanding the schemes, the blocking, and all that? Yeah, I think that's that's a great question, and I think people think of snapping as throwing the football back, and that really is like a prerequisite. You got to be able to fire the football back in you know 0.75 seconds or whatever people want. Um, but to me, what makes a great long snapper is what happens after he throws the football back in the pro football. The number one requ requirement is being able to protect, you know, um, when it's a pressure and teams are so good at disguising pressures and so knowing which way to slide, how to recover. I mean, there's so many intricate details of long snapping that you just can't see if you're sitting in the stands or if you're not watching the end zone coaches copy tape what happens. Um, so the biggest thing is what happens after the snap. This is just my opinion on the line of scrimmage when it comes to punt protection or recognizing a return happening and being able to pick for guards. And, and then to me, it's the secondary thing is, is the cover. Because the snapper's goal, at least for us, is to free up some of the, the real tacklers and let those guys go. And um, so it's a, it's a lot of dirty work that doesn't get recognized. But when you watch the coach's end zone copy, there's a lot on the plate for long snappers, which is probably why you don't see a lot of young guys every year. You see long snappers that are snapping into the year 11, 12, 13, 14, 15 because there's a comfort level you have with them in protection because it's not easy for college kids because they're not punt protecting in college anymore. The rules are different, so they snap and go, and so to learn NFL punt pros is, is tough. Jake wears a blue jersey. Does he, does he still feel, does he feel himself as a linebacker or something? Yeah. 
when he first got here, he had a white jersey on. And I said, I I, you know, he didn't feel comfortable in that because he's, he's a defensive mentality guy. So we asked our equipment guys to go to a blue jersey, and they obliged, and Jake felt better. Hold bags and drills for defensive guys. Is that his idea, or are you just telling him to keep busy in practice? For Jake you're talking about? Yeah, Jake wants to be a part of the linebacker and defensive line drills because it's just an opportunity for some individual for him. So some of those drills that linebackers and D-line do carry over to some long snapping as far as the picking, the protection, the using of the hands, getting off blocks. So um, it's both of our ideas to throw him in some of those individual drills just to get some more work with big bodies to go against. What do you think the possibilities are with C.D. Lamb as, as a returner? I mean, obviously he's a dynamic player, but specifically as, as a punt returner, what, what can he bring to you guys? Yeah, I expect him to bring a lot. He's a great ball catcher, so... It's a huge comfort level as a coach knowing that you got a guy back there with great ball skills, but also decision-making, and he's always had that. Um, and then he's really damn good with the football in his hands. And I think there's some, some strides we can make, personally speaking, more than anything, with the punt return schematics and plan that we, we've tweaked a little bit and we're going to be working really hard on actually starting tomorrow. Tomorrow's our first punt return install day in training camp, and um, it's going to be – revolved around what we think CD is good at, and so our schematics are going to be driven to, to hopefully accentuate his strengths. Is that part of a broader year two ability where you have a better feel as a coach of your personnel than this time last year you hadn't even been on the field with them? Uh, what, what does year two look like in terms of being able to scheme better to the talent that you have? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's huge because we didn't have any OTAs last year, even with the vets. And then in training camp, I was, I was shaking hands and introducing myself to, to all the guys in training camp last year. So just getting a feel for, um, for strengths, not really concerned about the weaknesses, but getting a feel for strengths and um, trying to build what we do around that. And we, we don't have a special teams playbook. And I've done that now for about the last 12 years. We don't have a playbook because it depends on who we have. So we structure what we do around who we have. And so we kind of did that this year. We don't have a playbook, but we have a plan as far as what we want to do, and we're going to drill the hell out of the things that will go into the schematics when we get to the regular season. But um, having a feel for not only the returners, but the blockers and what they're good at, you know, helps us come up with plans for games, for sure. John, I know you've got over a month left training camp, so you've got time, but do you expect to have Jeopardy again this year? And oh, yeah. I mean, do you start planning that already? Oh, yeah. Do we start planning that? A, lot, a while ago. That's, that's one of those February, March projects where it's a little bit slower and, you know, we have a little fun and get ahead. So we're, we're about two questions away from filling out our 30 question and hopefully sometime next week we'll have it. What would it the decision to have Hunter handling the punting and kicking duties instead of a Brian Anger and Greg's absence? Yeah, Hunter will handle for sure the, the kicking off and the field goal kicking and Hunter will have a huge you know, opportunity for the punting, and we'll get Brian some reps. It'll just be, it'll be discussed, you know, the week leading into every preseason game, how many we want him to get. Um, but Hunter knows that he's got to have a, a live leg and a fresh leg ready to hit a lot of balls, not only in practice, but also in games. And What do you feel this will do for him if he doesn't stick here, but just being able to showcase his versatility for the other 31 clubs? I think that's it, just an opportunity to showcase. And, and really, he had... He might have had what, seven games, eight games last year where he really did a pretty darn good job coming off the street. You know, he wasn't with the club. <laughs> so handling the operation and some calls he had to make and um, 
he did pretty darn good. And this is just an opportunity for him to get more reps. But I also think it's valuable for a punter to show you can kick off. Because there's quite a few teams who have older kickers who can't or don't want to kick off anymore. And so there's value in a punter who can also kick off. And Hunter has that ability. So I'm excited to see what he can do. Adjustments to, to making uh, the fake punts this year different than he did last year? Yeah, make them work, really. <laughs> um, but I will say there's, there's always something that this positive coming from calling a fake punt. You know, the antennas definitely go up on the punt return team the more you do it. And so um, we're aware that the antennas are always up when we play, we play a team. Um, and so I just got to keep digging and diving harder to find the simple, simple ways to get us first downs when we do call a fake punt. Because I think that's, that's part of our punt fabric is having the ability to, to run three or four fakes a season, to gain first downs, but also put some more questions in the punt return team's mind. Um, and we called quite a few more than three fakes last year. We just we killed some of them because we didn't get the right look. So, uh, right there, you talked to Mike beforehand. I mean, how does that go on, on, a, on a game day like this? Yeah, it, it, you know, during the week we talk about it, and we say, okay, if we're in this situation, um, this quarter, this fourth and distance, the score, then we'll consider it. And so usually between series, you know, based on what we think we need or what the punt return team's doing, we'll say, hey, we like it, we don't like it. And then when the decision's made to do it, it's, it's usually within about five seconds or, you know, we talk about it, green light by the head coach or red light by the head coach, and then I got to call it and we, and we run it and live with it. Um, but there's some, definitely some things that, that I can do to, to put us in the best position to run it and successfully execute it or kill it and don't run it even though it's been called. So those mechanisms are in place, and um, those are things that I can do better to make sure that we get out of it if it ain't good. Right, guys, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, everybody.